Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Chargers with Lorenzo Neal, Matt Money-Smith here. And how about this, Low? We are celebrating a victory for the Chargers. They knock off the Bears, and they do it in a fashion that, that we had hoped they would, a dominating victory over a team that they looked considerably better than on paper. But before we dig into that and get deep into that game, because there's certainly a lot to take away, I think important for us to acknowledge you had the trade deadline on Tuesday. Uh, Tom Telesco, in all of his years as general manager of the Chargers, has never been a trade deadline guy. That held again. This week, if you look at what was moved around the league low, you had some big names, particularly commanders, defensive ends. Montez Sweat goes to the Bears, and Chase Young goes to the 49ers. And then you had quite a few depth pieces. Um, so really not a lot of, of fireworks, I guess, unless you want to count Josh Dobbs going as probably or maybe the starting quarterback for the Vikings as they try to, to make their way into the NFC playoff picture. But other than that, there really wasn't, I guess, a lot that moved around um, does that surprise you? Did you think that the Chargers needed to make a move for maybe a, an offensive lineman with the the situation surrounding Corey Lindsley for a blocking tight end, something along those lines? Are you surprised? Are you surprised that they didn't do anything? Yeah, I was surprised just in general around the league. I thought Denver was going to be a fire sale. You see that they held court and didn't really make any significant changes. I, I really thought that there was going to be a Kansas City. I thought that they would make a move in the receiver, thinking AFC, especially because the way that the Cincinnati is playing, the Bengals are starting to find their stride. Joe Cool is starting to play at a very, very high level. So when you look around the AFC, especially with the parity, I thought that there was going to be more moves. I look at the Tennessee Titans and not thinking that they're going anywhere. You look at Derrick Henry, maybe there's a move, you know, of that guy because he's a chess piece that's still on a contract. So you you looked at the AFC and said, okay, there's going to be some moves that's done. With the Chargers, though, I don't think money that I thought that they needed to make a drastic move. If you think about the pieces that they have, they've underachieved thus far. You and I, we've both been in that same camp to say, Okay, will the real L.A. Chargers please stand up and show us some consistency and show us some domination, which we believe that they've had? So, yeah, I, 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 I wasn't necessarily surprised. And I don't think that, you know, that they needed a big time player to to catapult this team. It's just they needed to get going as a unit and as a team and just collectively, in my opinion. What I would, just based on the, the transactions that went down this week, and I, I think for the casual fan, it's not a huge deal. But, you know, they invested a third-round pick in Trey McKitty. They invested two-plus years in trying to develop him as a blocking tight end, as a, you know, 15-22 to catch, <laughs> maybe one touchdown guy, uh, and it just didn't come to it didn't come together so when you move on from a third round pick it's essentially acknowledging okay didn't work out we took a swing and it missed 
And then they promoted Nick Vanette, who has kind of been with the Chargers a couple different training camps now and on their practice squad. So he's always been sort of that fringe guy, right? That bubble guy. Is he is he someone that we can put behind Donald Parham, behind Gerald Everett as that third tight end? Now let's continue to try to develop Trey McKitty. Well, now it appears as though, and, and I bring it up because I think that may have been the one thing that they were looking for, that they they really do need. They need a blocking tight end. I know Parham's getting a little bit better. Gerald Everett, you know, had a, a really good block on that Darius Davis 50-plus yard run a couple games ago, but he's not really a blocker. So that's the one thing that they needed. And if I had to guess, they probably shopped around for it and just couldn't find one. You know, they couldn't find someone that they thought was better than Nick Vanette. So they likely just cut Trey, promote Nick, and they're like, all right, that's that's our acquisition. Let's let's hope it works out. If it doesn't, keep an eye. We know they've kind of, you know, dug into to waiver wire acquisitions, whether it was Simi Fajoko, who ends up getting a touchdown this past week, or if it's Jalen Hawkins at safety to replace JT Woods, who is still on that, you know, sort of non-football injury illness list. They've done that. So that's all I can guess, Lowe, is that there wasn't someone out there that they thought was going to fit better or be better than moving on from Trey and and promoting and you know to the active roster from the practice squad Nick Vanette. Yeah, and you look at Nick and we and you know you're at practice and you probably have seen him a lot more than I have, but here's a guy that you've got to realize he's going to service the offense, he's going to service the defense. Here's a guy that's out there. So you got to realize yeah, you know a guy that you know we go back in time and we think about a guy Antonio Gates the kind of tight end brought in as a free agent, a guy that played at Kent State, wasn't necessarily, didn't play football since high school. The Chargers took the time and, hey, let's develop Antonio Gates, Hall of Famer. Look no further than another guy that you talked about with the Chargers, played offense, played tight end, but was brought in as a defensive, defensive player. And look how the Chargers developed him. And that's Chris Dillman. Think about Chris Dillman, offensive lineman that was playing, that was brought in you know, to play defense and doing practice, you start to see what guys can do. So, yes, Matt, to your point about here's Nick Burnett, here's a guy that's on the practice squad that, you know, that you see and you're like, what the heck are they thinking? Look how Gates turned. What did he turn into? Look at Chris Dillman because the want to, the work at when you're on practice squad. And a lot of guy fans don't know that, you know, money you have because you know this, you're around and you see it. Those guys work extra hard because yeah. practice squad, they are a revolving door. The practice squad, someone can come pick you off that team. A la Wes Walker that was with the Chargers going to be have a great career. Because when you're on practice squad, you understand that teams are going to possibly take you off that practice squad. So your job is to be valuable because you know once a starter gets hurt, if you're on practice squad, you're usually going to get cut. Because the uh, the team and the organization has to go bring in another person to fill a void. So practice squad players, to me, they are the most, they are the hardest working guys on the team because they either want to be active or they don't want to get cut or they want another team to think that they have the goods to be on the active roster. The one thing I'll tell you about Nick, and again, I don't because he was just a practice squad guy. You don't really get to be around sure. them sure. a lot. This dude's got some salt in his attitude. I like he that. is, yeah, got he some dolls, is, huh? I don't want to tell the story. I'll just tell you, there is a story that I know about his time with the chargers and how it ended and how salty he was. And, and, and like just how physical he was on the practice squad during practice, during training or during uh training camp, joint practices, those preseason games. I, this is, this is something that they need. 
They need a little bit, you know, I said it last week, I'll say it again, but he's just a little bit of that dog, you know, he's a little bit. And, and when you're talking about a blocking tight end and a running game that is really struggling, I mean, really struggling. I don't want to get too deep into advanced metrics, but it's, it's, you know, true media's EPA and, you know, their EPA numbers on design runs. It's not just the worst in the league. It's the worst in the league by a significant gap. Like it's historically low right now. So they need to figure something out. I think a lot of that is Corey Lindsley being out and, uh, you know, and, and you're, you're hearing from coach Staley about, Hey, Corey's, you know, contributing to the team in a different way now. So that leads you to believe that he's not going to be coming back um, anytime soon. It's going to be Will Clapp that, that, that moves. But I do think a big part of that is their tight ends just haven't been blocking well in, in the run game and they need it. And that's, I mean, and you know, this low, What's going on in the second halves? Why aren't they scoring? Well, because they have leads and they're trying to run the ball and they can't. And right. and it's putting them behind the sticks. And now they're punting because they're so desperate to get that running game going and get that four-minute offense going instead of just throwing it. And it's just not working. So I think this is a move that signals, all right, we got to figure something out because we cannot continue at this rate with the run game in second halves. Oh, no question, man. And you need some nasty. You need a little bit of nasty sprinkled on that offense. What's the identity? We talk about we know Justin Herbert can throw the ball around the park, and we understand what you have in the running game, you know, and Eckler when he gets on the perimeter in the screen game and what he can do. But you need some nasty. Who's that? I know you have an offensive tackle that's, you know, nasty, but you need some uh, some more nasty guys on that offense. Because offense, you when you had a Chris Dillman, you had those guys that are going to go out and set the tone, and you, you had me. Those are those nasty guys are going to set the tone right. for the offense. You need that. And t- we're a better place at a tight end. When you're talking about, you look at the run game. And Matt, you say, God, there's no lanes. There's no creases. What's wrong with the running game? Now you have a tight end that can push a defensive end or a linebacker and make it push him wide. Now you create a now you create a more lanes for the running back to get in and out. Why do you think the Niners went out and said, "Hey, we're gonna go get Chase. We're gonna go get another hard defensive end." Now Nikki Bosa, and now you have another hard, great defensive end that they can constrict the edges. If you can hold the edges, now the running back can't bounce, and now you can't stretch the defense. So now this is why you bring in a tight end, and that's what the Chargers are hoping. If you can get a tight end that can create a new line of scrimmage and just get For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get them to move two feet, push out three, four feet wider. Now you create more lanes inside. A lot of teams defensively, they said, look, set a hard edge, and now you don't let the running back. You keep him in a phone book, he doesn't have the opportunity to pick his way through. So that's huge. What you're talking about, Matt, you're spot on by having a tight end that can create a new line of scrimmage and also widen the defensive end and linebackers. And that's how you get a running game to move even better. And that's a, a perfect transition. The, the seed you just planted there low to get into this, the, the game this past week eight uh, against the bears. <laughs> you, you, you didn't play well against the Cowboys. They were the much better team, but you still had a chance to win. It's at home sure. and, and you let that one get away. Obviously you're trading punches with the chiefs. We already went through all that last week. 
But this was a game on paper that looked available for domination, that that you look at the defensive line and the offensive line of the Bears, and it looked as though you could take advantage of that, and they did. But I want to start where you just left off, and that is Chase Young, Nick Bosa, set the edges, stop those running backs, fill those lanes. This Chargers team has turned into a really good run defense team, and I think so much of it is because of Thule, the rookie, Tui Pelotu, combined yep. with Joey, who we know is one of the best all-around defensive ends, with Khalil Mack, who might be the best edge-setting, run-stopping end yes. in the game. So now you've got three guys, and understand the Bears came in. I know it's a Division II undrafted rookie quarterback making his second start, his first on the road. That's I get it. That's not a favorable position for the Bears, but they have run the ball and that's not just this is not just you know oh last week they ran it well oh the week before they ran it well no last year they ran the ball really well this year they are one of the best running teams in the NFL the last four games going into the Chargers game they had over 160 yards in each of their previous four games so and two of those were with Tyson Bajan so it's not like it was the Justin Fields thing the two prior they had over 175 yards rushing the week before Deontay Foreman went crazy yeah. uh, against the Raiders and what did the Chargers do? They hold them to 73 yards rushing as a team, completely shut them down, and then that allowed them to really get after Bajan, get those two interceptions, and, and really just kind of set the tone defensively. No question. That's a great way to put it, Matt. And here's what people have to realize. Ask the Raiders how that worked out for them against Bajan, yeah. the quarterback that came in. They absolutely stifled them. You saw the way that they did. They got after the Raiders. And that's what the Chargers have done. Like you said, they're playing a lot better defense against the run. If you can shut down the run, and that's why these last several weeks, you look at the last several weeks, the Chargers have been in these games because the defense has been able to carry. And you talked about it. You said, look, Staley early in the season, we talked about against the Miami Dolphins, He's giving up 30-some points. Staley supposed to be a defensive-minded guy. What does he do? He says, okay, I got to fix this. I'm a defensive guy. We got to get this defense playing, playing better. They let guys go. They make a trade. They say, let's make this defense a lot stouter. And thus far, you look at the defense, the defense, did, did you think would be saying that the defense is the glue of this team and not the offense? That's what's really weird coming in this year, watching the way that the defense now, each man has said, we're going to make a gallant effort and we're going to play better defense, especially against the run. It's been huge. But like you said, going into this game, you said, this is a game the Chargers win. But then you looked at Chicago and you said, the way that they've been playing, you're like, wow, Chicago may give them fits. Chicago's going to try to run the ball. Chicago's going to go play action. They're going to try to make this game ugly. This was a mindset game. This game, to me, watching the Chargers, Matt, this was a mindset game right. where the team came out and said, to each man, we're going to do our job. We're better than this. You and I keep talking about week in and week out. What do we say? They're playing down to the level of competition. Are they playing up when they're playing a good team? Why can't they go out and just play Charger football, dominate and beat the teams that you know you should beat, a la the Titans, a la Chicago Bears? This game was never in doubt. The Chargers came out like we knew they're capable of, and this game was never in doubt. You're saying, oh, this is going to be. They went out and just took care of business and did their job. Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, the, the I, I think there's no better calling card for, for this defense. And then, you know, back to back, turning them over on downs, you know, where you are, it's, you know what this is like, you're in a phone booth, it's fourth and one, 
And, you know, no gain. Stuff him. Roshan Johnson, 230-pound back who's been rushing for nearly five yards per carry this year. And Bosa, in vintage Bosa form, just, I mean, it's like the the Hellboy right hand of thunder <laughs> just grabs the, I think it was Borum that he grabbed and yeah. just tossed him aside and, you know, tackles him for a loss. That's a turnover on downs. The very next series, they got to go for it again. This time, it's a fourth and two. And what happens? Interception by Asante Samuel, you know, and I'll tell you, you know, obviously it wasn't an interception. Mm -hmm. It ended up hitting the ground, but he jumps the route because Bajan has got all that pressure Pressure. and has to get rid of the ball quickly. So that to me sort of speaks to, you know, I guess I I don't want to say a calling card, but it speaks to just the level of play from this defense right now. And here's an interesting statistic. There is no team in the NFL. There is no defense in the NFL that is better than the Chargers. The Chargers defense is the best in the NFL at third and fourth and two or fewer yards. They they know how to bow up when it's in favor, when, for whatever reason, when it favors the offense, these third and shorts, going forward on fourth down. No team has been better in the NFL than the Chargers. They showed it again on, on Sunday, and it's something that as we spin this thing forward to the Jets – they're going to show, you know, going to have to show on Monday because it's going to be a lot of Brees Hall. It's going to be a lot of third and twos and third and threes because they are not going to be pushing the ball downfield. It's just not what the Jets do. They run the ball, they protect the ball, and they lean on their defense and special teams. But I do want to just obviously we got to acknowledge the offense here real quick, uh, Lorenzo. Two things. One, uh, we already talked about the running game. That's got to get fixed. Uh, you, you can't have Austin Eckler running the ball 15 times for 29 yards and, and Josh Kelly going just six carries for, I think it was 21, you know, under two yards per carry for Austin, under four yards for Josh. But I do want to acknowledge the positive here, and that's that they finally got Q involved. Quentin Johnston finally got an right. opportunity. And what happens? Six targets, five catches. 50 yards, including a DPI on a third down that gave him a new set of downs and led to a score. So great to see Kellen Moore just play to Q's strengths. Let's get that yak going. Let's get these back shoulder throws going. We don't have to send him on nine routes nonstop because he's so big and try to make him Mike Williams. He's not. They played to his strengths and Q delivered. Five catches, 50 yards, and that DPI. As we now transition to to the Monday Night Football game at MetLife in the Meadowlands against the Jets, a team that has really just, you want to talk about catching some breaks. I mean, my goodness, Graham Gano misses a kick from 35 yards or whatever it was that would have put that game away. Uh, instead, the Jets take over. They could not move the ball to save their lives in that entire game. And Zach Wilson, when they needed it, that dude had like 28 seconds to move the ball some 60 yards, and he did. And he leaned on Garrett Wilson and, and Brees Hall, and they did it. And they end up getting to overtime, and they get the win. And But but I do – so let's just kind of – it's a reminder that don't get too cocky about, oh, Zach Wilson's terrible and trying sure. to play into that, you know, the Rodney Harrison thing, what he was doing, which was just crazy, you know, insulting a guy like that. He's capable – he sure. is capable of making plays, and he and Garrett Wilson have something going. But defensively, let's just start here, low, because we just got done talking about the running game. Defensively, the Jets are one of the best teams against the pass. They have got a pass rush, man, and they've got it in waves. Quinn and Williams is a nasty player, man, and he's coming right up the middle over Will Clapp and putting pressure right in Herbert's lap immediately. Their edges are really good. Jermaine Johnson, I mean, these dudes can get after you. And not to mention the secondary. It might be the best secondary in football. So 
they're holding opponents to 184 yards passing. But what are they doing against the run? And it could be because teams don't want to pass against them, but they're giving up 145 yards on the ground. Only the Broncos are worse than the Jets when it comes to defending the run. So this has got to be a run the ball. You can't let those defensive ends and Quinn Williams, you can't let them operate on their toes on that defensive line. You have got to get that play action working. You've got to find some semblance of a running game against this defense. Absolutely. And, the, and just what you're saying, the best way to get play action going is to make sure you have some success running the ball. When you can run the ball and the quarterback turns his back to the defense and you get into a stretch place, and this is where the tight end, you get out to the perimeter and make point in those guys run. Now you set up some boots. Look for this Charger team. And my things for keys to success for offense, you got a quarterback that's very mobile. You got a quarterback that can move the pocket. Right. You got a quarterback that runs a 4-5, four, 4-6. Four, Justin Herbert is fast and he's athletic. This is a game that you're going to have to move the quarterback at times to move him to get out on the perimeter. And now he becomes a two-way threat. He becomes a double threat. He can hurt you with his legs and he can hurt you with the ball. So when he moves the pocket, his speed, now the linebackers that they're in coverage, they're going to have to either come up. The safety is going to have to make decisions. So now you have a two-way go for a quarterback that can hurt you with his legs. So look for this game plan to move the pocket at times. Some boots, dragging the tight end across. I want to see this team create that stretch play, run the ball to the outside, get the perimeter. Because the Jets want to drag them down in the mud and right. make this a close game and try to stand it, steal it like you just alluded to against the Giants. They scored less than 23, 24 points to combine. And I think they punted the ball 25 times between the both two teams. So they had more punts than scored. So that's unbelievable. Yeah. That usually <laughs> doesn't happen. So it's imperative that the Chargers start fast. Get the offense going and make them play from behind and make them one-dimensional. 100%. It's spot on, low. Uh, you know, as we kind of wrap it up here, Brees Hall is averaging six yards per carry. I mean, six yards per carry. You're talking about 443 yards on 78 carries. That's 5.7. Zach Wilson is effective running the ball. He's run it 23 times. So he's willing to just tuck it and run. The interesting thing is, Beyond those two and Garrett Wilson, who's having a nice sophomore campaign after a rookie of the year campaign last year, behind those those two players, it is Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. That is all. That That's it. Dalvin Cook, you know, was trying to get out of New York because they're not using him. He was trying to force a trade at the deadline. Didn't happen. Behind Garrett Wilson and his 39 receptions for 469 yards is Alan Lazard, who's got 255 on 17 catches. Right now, Wilson has got more receptions than the next two players combined and just about more yards than the next two players combined. So that's that there it is. Take away Garrett Wilson, take away Brees Hall and you ought to be like you said and and score 17 points and yes. I would imagine you're winning your second game in a row and you're back to 500. Hey, it's simple. Make this a play this game in a phone booth. You put eight nine guys in the box, Matt, and you dare Wilson to beat you in the air. And you come out and you say the pressure is going to get there. You bump them, you press them, you do some stuff, play safety over the top. And you say, I'm going to commit to shutting down the run. I'm going to have a spy and I'm going to put pressure. This is that game that you're going to be sore. This is that ice bag game, that ice tub game that you're going to sit in the tub because you're going to be black and blue. This is going to be a physical type of game. And your defense is going to have to bring their big boy pads because this is going to be the most they're going to be tried in the run game. All year long. And I'll tell you, just real quick as we wrap it up, Lo, uh, if you're feeling 
down about injuries and Corey Lindsley and Mike Williams. I am not exaggerating when I say this. The Jets are on their sixth offensive lineman. They have lost five offensive line. They are now six deep in injury on the offensive line. Their best offensive lineman, Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Vera Tucker, gone. Connor McGovern, gone. Wes Schweitzer, gone. gone. Like they, they are down. Billy Turner's going to play. Man, let me tell you something. When Joey Bosa sees the name Billy Turner on on a flip card, he gets <laughs> so he gets excited. I, I, I'm Billy Billy Turner's going to have nightmares for the next four days, knowing that Joey Bosa's coming to town. So I just leave it at that. And he's going to be out there. So that's we saw it against the Bears. The Bears' offensive line has not been good. It has been incredibly leaky, and they took advantage of it. The Jets' offensive line is down five guys. And you're talking about a defensive front for the Chargers with Bosa and Khalil and Thule and Morgan Fox. Got you talking about six guys with two plus sacks. Do what you did against the the Bears. Take advantage of it. Get back to 500 and get ready for a heck of a game at SoFi against the Lions when they come to town. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.